Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Class is in session. Please be seated. Behaviors that get attention get repeated. Avoid the power struggle because it will get you heated. Listen to Amanda because she knows how to teach it. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Yeah, yeah, oh. Hello and welcome to the Parenting with a Punch show. I am your host, Amanda Hool. I am so excited to be back today. I have a awesome guest. Her name is Stacy Grumet. She is the founder and CEO of Paper Pinecone, which is the most comprehensive daycare and preschool directory available. She's committed to helping families identify providers who meet their needs and discover programs they might not otherwise find. Stacy is a mom to an almost four-year-old daughter who makes her laugh on a daily basis and tests her patience almost as often. Welcome to the show, Stacey. How's it going? Uh, great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to have you here. So, Paper Pinecone. Now, you are originally from Boston, correct? Uh, I'm from New York, but I went to school in Boston. Oh, right. That's right. Okay, cool. Awesome. So I always like to give a shout out to my fellow Bostonians, even though they may not be. Although I did live in Brooklyn for very many years, so we, we have that in common. <laughs> I was um, a Yankee fan living on the Fenway, so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, was a, I was a Brooklyn girl living in, in uh, sorry, I was a Boston girl living in Brooklyn. That wasn't fun, believe me. Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, Paper Pinecone, what, um, how did you sort of like get started and, and how did this come about? Um, so, um, I'm in Los Angeles now, and uh, a few years ago, I began my search for preschool for our daughter, and um, there was a lot of panic around it, um, a lot of panic for my peers, which kind of rubbed off on me, um, rumors of five-year wait lists, uh, you'll never get into the best preschool, um, and it was really stressful. Right. Um, <laughs> So I began my search and um, started looking at Google, um, searching by neighborhood, and then going to all the various websites and trying to call basic information. Um, what was the school's hours? Um, what ages did they accept? How much did they cost? Mm. Um, and it was really difficult just to find that basic information. Meanwhile, my husband um, kept a spreadsheet of everything we were doing, and I kept Googling preschool directory. And I was... <laughs> trying to find the Zillow of preschools and I kept thinking it has to exist it exists in every other category um but I never found it so I decided to create it love it that's awesome no I definitely having worked in um so many different preschools and like pushing in uh primarily in Brooklyn I do I do have to agree I don't think they they don't really give you too much information online and then another big thing which I'm sure you can attest to and through your own experience of finding a preschool was uh, as far as, I mean, unless I guess if it's like a Montessori school, but they don't really discuss sort of like their methodologies, right? 
Uh, some do, some don't. I think, you know, some are more committed to an overarching philosophy than others. Right. Um, certainly Montessori is probably the most well-known, mm-hmm. um, but Reggio Emilia, Waldorf are um, two right. kind of uh, other philosophies that have emerged over the last several years um, and have become quite popular. And schools that kind of fall under those um, tend to... Um, convey their philosophy well on their website. Right, right. Okay. Now you also, so the website, um, what else do you offer on your website? Resources. So you have like articles and different from providers and that just sort of cover like the realm of the preschool world. (laughs) Yeah. So we've, uh, we have a blog for parents and one for providers Um, and our blog for parents. um, Some of it is lifestyle, um, you know, Mm -hmm. how to plan a kid's birthday party, um, and some of it is very preschool focused. So what questions to ask on a preschool tour, um, understanding the various philosophies and curricula that are used, um, how to pick a perfect preschool. Right. What would you, I mean, as far as like picking the, the, per, the perfect preschool, what was your experience, right? Like after, well, of course, after you already figured out that there was no uh, <laughs> sort of directory. Um, right. But once you kind of got over some of the anxiety surrounding it. Like what did, what did your process look like? So, you know, the first place I went to ask about preschools were, was my peers and mm. got a list of quote unquote, the best schools, right. which I toured. Um, and when I toured them, I realized for various reasons that they weren't for me. Right. Um, and so then I was le- left with these Google searches, um, looking at these other schools and began my, began my touring. And what I quickly realized was that the best, is, the best for you isn't the best for me. Yeah. Um, I found so many wonderful schools that I had never heard of through my peers. And these schools didn't have the money necessarily to invest in SEO or marketing, right. um, didn't have the word of mouth buzz. Maybe they were new. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one we picked um, had only been around for a year or so. So it just had generated buzz. Um, And so when people ask me, you know, how do I find the best preschool? I I always tell them, certainly start with your peers. But just because your best friend loves it doesn't mean it's right for you. Everybody has different values. And a school's values need to align with yours. And a school's philosophy needs to align with your parenting philosophy. That doesn't mean it needs to mirror it. Right be consistent otherwise you're going to end up really unhappy with the way the school is run agreed yeah I mean because obviously I think especially probably as a new parent it can be difficult to sort of like hone in on you know the the main things that are like of most value to value to you Mm -hmm. um but yeah I mean there can be so many questions that like you probably don't even think about like for me obviously because I'm a behavioral specialist and um you know, working in so many different preschools. Um, but I actually even had a personal experience with my, um, a family friend whom I grew up with. She, her daughter started having like a little bit of trouble in school and um, they didn't really like address it or communicate with mom right away. And as mom kind of went through the process of sort of like interviewing other schools, cause that clearly, that school clearly wasn't a fit. She now knew like, okay, well, how do you handle discipline like how do you handle specific behaviors like do you wait to call do you call right away so it's just you know it's just it's 
it's a lot, I think, for parents, again, especially as new parents, to kind of sift through and figure out, like, what is going to work for them and, like, know which questions to ask. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you touched on two things there. One is you should always be asking about discipline at a school. Mm. Um, no matter how wonderful your child behaves, right. there are going to be situations right. where your child needs discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what methods do they use? And secondarily, um, what do they communicate? How frequently do they communicate? And through what methods do they communicate? Um, there are some parents out there who want to know every bump and bruise and scrape, and there will be lots of bumps and bruises and scrapes. Um, And some parents um, only want to know if something major happened, if their child got bit. Um, So, you know, you have to kind of figure out what kind of parent you are and what you're looking for for, from a school and see what aligns. Right. Agreed. Yeah. I think it's, it's important to, to have that, you know, initial conversation with your spouse and kind of like figure out you know, at least pinpoint a few things that are kind of like non-negotiables for you, right? I mean, and just, and know that, you know, whichever preschool that you choose is going to be in alignment with, you know, sort of like your own parenting styles. Your own parenting style and your family values. And I'll give you an example. So um, my daughter goes to um, a very diverse, very liberal Mm -hmm. preschool. Um, So liberal, in fact, last month we had Drag Queen Story Hour. And when I saw it on the calendar, I was thrilled. Uh, (laughs) Certainly there could be children in that school who will grow up to be a drag queen and are having certain feelings now. And to have somebody in their school reading them books and see themselves reflected, I think is a a huge opportunity and so important. Right. Um, Another family at our school did not feel the same way, Mm -hmm. um, threatened to sue the school over it, left the school. And this is something, you know, the founder of the school prides herself on creating this diverse and inclusive community. And it's it's something that she communicates. Right. Um, But for whatever reason, this parent didn't choose a school that aligned with his values. Right. And it became a problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see how that, obviously, for somebody that doesn't align with their values, but, you know, it just goes right back to the point of really knowing you know, sort of the questions to ask and like knowing, you know, what sort of values that that preschool sort of emulates, you know, on sort of uh, on a daily basis. Yes, absolutely. So that's, um, you know, very important. So I, let's scroll down to, so I guess we sort of, well, what would you say is like your number one sort of like, you know, advice for in parents choosing the best preschool? Like, how do they kind of, especially for like a new parent, how would you say that they sort of, you know, go about that process? Sure. I, the first thing that you should always look for is a play-based preschool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that academics aren't a part of preschool, but right. everything they learn should be done through play. Um, if you walk into a preschool lined with desks that looks like a, a second grade classroom <laughs> and they talk about worksheets, worksheets and homework, just run screaming. It's not <laughs> for a three-year-old. Um, I don't think it's a great environment for an eight-year-old either, but that's for another show. Yeah, really. Um, so, so play-based is your number one priority. Um, from there, I, I think that, you know, every family should look at the different philosophies and again, see what aligns with their values. So for example, Waldorf schools mm-hmm. um, are very, um, they're based in very natural materials and 
lots of time spent for open-ended play. Um, and for a parent who wants a more structured environment that might not be a great setup. Right. Um, we have a we have a blog post on our site, questions to ask on a preschool tour, and I recommend reading them. There are at least 15 questions I can think of um, that you should ask. And, you know, obviously we touched on communication and discipline and values, but everything, things like nap time. So, you know, all states require a rest period. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some schools uh, require that those children stay on their cots silently for their entire rest period, whether they sleep or not. And some have quiet activities for children to do if they're not sleeping. Um, I know that I would be upset if my four-year-old had to sit for two hours every day, having long, long since given up naps. Right. So, you know, it's little things like that, that what are, what are the things that are important to you and kind of really dig down deep and don't be afraid to be the person who doesn't shut up on the tour. (laughs) So many questions because, you know, the preschool directors want you to, it's, it's bad for them if it's not the right environment for you as well. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And actually, so you and I have discussed this in the past and in some of our other conversations, um, and you said about being play-based. And I, of course, couldn't agree more that I think we as a society are so focused on academics that, like, we, you know, and children learning how to count and knowing their letters and their numbers and, you know, their shapes and colors. And we forget that, like, children learn through play. And the social emotional development is like, that is number one key in the preschool age. Absolutely. And I think that that's what you should be looking for in a preschool is what, how they address social, social and emotional development. Right. Um, The numbers, the letters, the alphabet, those are going to be there. Right. Your, your child is not going to come out of preschool. uh, (laughs) Not not knowing most likely. Right. right. (laughs) You know, not knowing the alphabet. (laughs) Right. Um, But this understanding social cues and social norms that is a huge part of preschool um and something that children who aren't exposed to preschool really lack when they enter kindergarten very often right no I I agree I mean I think it can especially you know some with language development but I mean that's that's another topic but Mm -hmm. um children you know, and of course, because the social emotional development is, is so key, like in, in the work that I, that I do, um, children learn, especially like through modeling, you know, even if they're a little bit more shy or, you know, they're, they might be a little bit more reserved. Um, something that I I'm noticing has, is coming up a lot with the preschool age is, is social anxiety. So having a school that focuses, you know, and with play and just kind of like implementing different sort of styles, you know, through different centers and and things is just, I think is just so key. And I think parents, you know, it'd be helpful for them to not hyper-focus so much on like the academic stuff and like realize that actually like the amount of money that you're paying for your children to get that social emotional development support is key. Like that's, what's going to carry them a lifetime. It's not the academics. And I think just to add to that, when, when we say children learn best through play, you know, that's everything from doing an alphabet puzzle to learning um, negotiation and problem solving skills on the playground. Right. Um, and those are those social and emotional development um, skills. Skills, yes. <laughs> that 
um, if children aren't exposed to those environments, they really lack. And that's not to say they can't catch up. Right. But, you know, if a child is only home with a parent, um, and sometimes it happens, you know, maybe the parent is a second child. Um, it just, you can often fall into this pattern where a child asks you something and you just do it for them rather than kind of, you know, solve your problem. Um, let's see how we can figure this out together because it's just faster and easier. And I think, you know, we're certainly all guilty of that at some point. but at preschool, the school, the school shouldn't be solving all their problems for them. You know, even when there's conflict between children, assuming it's not a physical contact uh, conflict, the school right. shouldn't say, okay, how can you work this out? Right. And letting the children take the lead on that. Exactly. And not really like, you know, I think something else too, and, and this is of course, you know, falls into, um, you know, sort of the discipline and how they handle certain behaviors, but um, also like, how, what, like, what is their approach to handling behaviors? Like, do they use timeouts? Are they using sort of like positive reinforcement and like redirection? Or are they, you know, I, I, I noticed that a lot as well um, with many of the preschools that I've worked in. Granted, again, this was in Brooklyn, um, which I think is probably just as much as LA, I'm sure, is much more... Um, you know, progressive. Uh, I don't see that as much in Boston, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I, you know, I think it depends where you are in Boston. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Um, but yes, the, that positive reinforcement is, you know, critical um, at that age. Um, children, for the most part, aim to please. Yes. And when they're getting that positive reinforcement, it's going to lead to good behavior. Yep. Um and when you tell a child they're naughty and put them in a naughty chair in the corner and isolate them, that doesn't teach them, that punishes them. Right. Um, and I, I will, um, you know, certainly we are far from perfect parents in my house. And, um, Nobody is perfect. <laughs> right. But it's, you know, it's something that we try to practice and I'll give you an example. So um, recently our daughter has been fighting baths. And every day, um, and I'm okay with skipping bath some days, but some right. days you gotta clean up, kid. Right. Um, so, and I'll preface this by saying we live in Los Angeles, and it was 80 degrees out. So your mm-hmm. Boston listeners aren't freaking out about a. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening in March in New England. Um, yeah, right. But I said to my daughter, "Okay, you know what? I'll give you a choice. You can either take a bath." Or I can take you outside and hose you down. But the hose water is going to be very, very, very cold. Um, And she said, hose me down. And I said, are you sure? It's very (laughs) cold. The water is very cold. She said, absolutely, I'm sure. So we got her into her bathing suit and we took her outside. And I turned on the hose. And as soon as that cold water hit her, she burst into tears and ran inside. I want to take a bath now. (gasps) from there you know I had two options I if I wanted to punish her I would have said nope you need to stay outside and I'm going to hose you down with this cold water and I don't care if you like it or not or I could say okay you've learned what the consequence of your decision was and we can go inside and have a nice warm bath I chose the second. And I think that that sort of positive discipline is right. what children learn from. Um, 
that was about a month ago. And I'm not saying she's hopped in the bath willingly every night since. <laughs> right. But it's been a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, it's just like any, the more consistent you are with your approach, right? I mean, whatever approach that is, um, you know, anyone that, that, that listens and sort of knows, you know, how I roll, I, I'm not a timeout. I don't, you know, condone punishment, reprimands, mm -hmm. um, you know, just, it, it's, it's more about, you know, right back to what you had mentioned, like children inherently, like they want to see you happy. It, you know, it, it's, it comes twofold when, when, children see that you're happy, they're happy. You know, like they, they, children inherently want to make their parents happy. Like they come out of this world so, come into this world so innocent. Um, and, and, you know, and, and everything that they're learning is, is through the adults in their lives. Um, you know, they're really learning the world and getting, receiving the modeling from, you know, from the adults in their lives, their, their parents, through school, you know, through their peers. So it's really important to, you know, pay attention to, you know, how, like your approach and, and, and the approach that feels right for you. I mean, I'm not to each your own, right? But <laughs> I agree. I, you know, and I think um, I had a baby and had no clue what I was doing um, and certainly never, never had time to read an entire book in the last four years, but I've read quite a bit on, you know, different parenting philosophies and, mm -hmm. um, and I never wanted to say, uh, despite the fact that I nursed until a couple weeks ago yeah. uh, and, you know, we, we bed chaired for a while and things like that. I never wanted to say I was practicing attachment parenting because as soon as I said that I was basically giving someone permission to tell me I was doing it wrong. Mm. But there were, you know, pieces from that um, pieces from um, Janet Lansbury, right. Pieces from all these different approaches that felt right to me now. Um, but none of, none of them across the board, so it's, it's finding what those nuggets are and making them work for you and your family. Right. No, I agree. Um, so what would you like at, so you're, well, not anymore so much, but well, technically as a new parent, right. Um, you know, when it comes to sort of, you said that you found, you know, through Janet Lansbury and maybe other um, professionals in the parenting space, like, what would be your advice for those new parents that are kind of struggling, you know, whether or not it's within the first year or, you know, as they kind of go about their parenting over the first few years and sort of like getting that help? Like, you know, again, like you found your people, you know, you found those who sort of inspire you and kind of give you that direction. So what would you say, you know, would be important for parents who are really like struggling and, and sort of like reaching out and asking for that help? You know, I think that, um, especially for new parents, um, we put tremendous pressure on ourselves mm -hmm. to be able to do it all. And right. we were never meant to do this alone. We used to live in literal villages <laughs> with our, our moms and grandmothers and aunts. And this, you know, this certainly not to say all childcare should fall on women. It just did then. Right. And as the world has changed and we've moved away, we've isolated ourselves, but we still hold us ourselves to the same expectations that we can do it all right. but we were never doing it all by ourselves in the first place mm -hmm. uh, and I wish someone had told me that mm -hmm. because I was drowning with a high needs infant who nursed for two hours without taking oh. breaks 
who uh, hated the stroller and the car seat and the baby carrier wouldn't nap anywhere but on me and woke up every, I mean, I was struggling with this high needs baby. And my husband said, let's get a nanny, let's get help. Um, And I felt that if I took that help, I was a failure. Mm. And I just want to like shake myself (laughs) and go back in time and shake myself. Right. The only person I was failing was myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say to any new parent, ask for help, take help. Not everyone is in a position to hire a nanny, that's fine. But if your neighbor offers to cook cook you dinner or a friend offers to babysit, always say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Always. And if they don't want to do it again, that's fine. Right. Take help in any form that it is offered and don't be ashamed about it. No, it's, it's so true. And they really do say, and um, I, I think just as, as humans, you know, it's real. Like when you ask for help, it actually shows an immense amount of strength because it's hard to act. Like we we're, I just, I, I don't think just as a culture, like it, we're just accustomed to sort of like asking for help. And when you ask for help, it's actually extremely empowering. Yes. And, and when you receive that help and then you're in a position to return it as well, when somebody else, did, um, I, you know, it just sets everybody up for success. Um, but I, I so committed to telling parents, we were never meant to do this alone. Don't think that you have to. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I, it, again, I'm just like shaking, I'm visually shaking my <laughs> my postpartum self saying that right right no it's important you know especially for those new parents out there because it's you know I I just I think it's really important to know too that like you can read a billion books you could read you know a billion different articles but the reality of it is is like until you in it and you practice sort of like however you want to show up and, and and just getting some of that you know me time whatever that looks like even if it's freaking five minutes a day, um, you know, you're just better able to show up, you know, more intentional in your parenting and everybody wins. Yeah. And and the other thing I would say is that as parents, we just need to forgive ourselves. Right. (laughs) You know, we're all going to be great parents some days and we're all going to be terrible parents others. Exactly. Um, On those terrible days, we need to forgive ourselves. We need to apologize to our children when we do Uh bad things. Right. Uh, we need to try to do better the next time, but um, we kind of have to let it go to move on. Right, right. No, it's true. I mean, you hit all of the points and it's, you know, again, every nobody's perfect. And, you know, a lot of it is trial and error and, you know, giving yourself grace and being able to forgive yourself like in those moments and owning your energy and sort of your responsibility in front of your children is what's gonna essentially teach them those appropriate skills, you know, and then they're going to want to do it. And then you typically will see a decrease in the behaviors that you don't want. Mm -hmm. And I always joke that, you know, every day I strive to be the world's most okay mom, (laughs) (laughs) you know, at its best. And you know, as much as I joke, it's a little bit true. Like I'm never going to be the Pinterest mom. I'm never going to be the one who makes the best cookies. (laughs) Uh, I'm not the arts and crafts mom, and that's right. fine. Yeah. Um, I am the mom who is going to laugh every day with my daughter. There you go. Uh, 
And that's okay, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, you know, if I had to choose one or the other, you know, not that we need to pick sides by any means, <laughs> but I mean, I just, laughter goes a long way. And, you know, I, some parents have, you know, or just humans in general, like they, they have, they have those um, sort of abilities to kind of, you know, do, do more than others. And, and that's great for them, but not yes. every, not what works for one is going to necessarily work for the other. We all need a class parent leading the big sales. <laughs> this is true. This we need that true. mom or dad. <laughs> Absolutely. So as we long talk- as it doesn't have to be me. <laughs> exactly. Hey, as long as you know that, that's all that matters, right? Absolutely. Yes. You know how you want to show up as a parent. And, that, and yes. I think that ultimately is what's the most important. I mean, again, it's going to ebb and flow and you're going to sort of, you know, go in and out and, and you might change it up as, as, you know, your little one gets older, but that's just, that's the beauty of parenting and that's just right. the beauty of life. And I'm not above passing off store-bought baked goods as my own. There you go. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Nobody has to, well, I can tell you right now that the, the children aren't going to know a different, know the difference. Certainly not. Absolutely not. <laughs> so um, we, we did touch upon sort of like, you know, the positive reinforcement, which again is, is, is super important in, in, in my world and the work that I do, but, um, really just like being like, what are your thoughts in terms of just like being more mindful of like the language we're using? So like you did mention, obviously, you know, apologizing for sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, in the moment, or if it's something that you did wrong, but, um, I mean, have you noticed a difference? Um, if you could like even just think back to maybe like the most recent situation that you might've come across where you noticed the difference in like the language that you used, like focusing more on like the positive and not drawing attention to like the behavior that you don't want. So I have to say that I'm fortunate. I have a, I have an extraordinarily well-behaved child and I don't know. (laughs) There you go. Nurture or nature. (laughs) I'd like to take some credit for it either way. You should. <laughs> um, you know, certainly she has her tantrums and her moments, but she's not, um, she, she's not a kid that finds trouble. I'm actually kind of encouraging her to break the rules a little bit more than she actually does. <laughs> um, push boundaries a little bit. Right. But, um, you know, I think that in our house, um, we try to acknowledge um, her little wins. So right. yesterday, she, um, my husband took her to, to the park, and it was the first time she really got the hang of swinging by herself and pumping her legs um, and going high. You know, she'd done it a little bit, but, like, she was moving by herself. And my husband sent me a video, and when she came home, it was something that I really celebrated with her told me, I was like, I know I saw the video. I'm so proud of you. That's so awesome. Um, <laughs> and even though that's not, you know, something that is associated with her behavior, um, it's kind of the same sort of thing. Like these oh, absolutely. celebrating these small victories in a big way. Right. Um, and even when you're kind of busy and distracted, just kind of taking the time to like say that's awesome and giving a high five. Right. Um, I mean, you can still say, I need a minute, <laughs> you know, I'm on the phone or I'm cooking dinner or whatever it is. Right. Uh, but when, when they come to you with um, something that they're really proud of, uh, acknowledge it, even if you think it's the most trivial thing in the world. Right. Because remember, to them, it's not trivial because the, yeah. these, these are all new. These are all new. Right? This is all new for them. 
Right. And they, and, and I think, you know, even as, like I said, if it's not behavior related, they see how happy you are right. when they're doing well. Right. And that translates to good behavior. Right. Well, and, and you, and you just said it, that it translates to good behavior because all forms of communication is behavior. And that's, Absolutely. Through, yeah. I mean, that's through, you know, you don't necessarily have to be throwing a tantrum, a tantrum to sort of be emulating, but like through communication, through, you know, our body language, um, you know, that that's all, that's all behavior. So yeah, like you said, if, you know, you're paying attention to, and, and recognizing, you know, when they're doing things that sort of, you know, that they're proud of, like that's gonna, that's definitely gonna transmute into like that building up their self-esteem and confidence and just sort of like helping them to sort of regulate their emotions maybe like in those moments because they feel okay to like express themselves to you as a parent, which Absolutely. is where they feel safe. And I think also, you know, my viewpoint <laughs> is that tantrums aren't behavioral issues, right? They're normal right. developmental milestones um, while kids are learning to self-regulate. Right. Um, and how to communicate. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, every child's different. You know, I, I've, I read a million articles and some of them were like, hug your child through a tantrum. And like, my daughter's having none of that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's agreed. <laughs> and I, until she's ready, that's fine. Some children are different, but, um, you know, when she's having a tantrum, um, I, I tell my husband, like, we need to be the adults. Right. Um, and right. as frustrating as it can be, and as annoying as it can be, and for as long as they last, like, we need to be the adults and we need to show her what regulating our emotion looks like and right. not freak out. Right. Um, well, big props to you because I know that that, you know, aside from however you come to that, you know, conclusion is, you know, it doesn't matter, but it does, it takes a lot of work to sort of like own that. And so, I mean, it's, I, I'm proud of you guys for being able to recognize that because it can be hard. It, and it certainly is. And it doesn't always work. You know, like I said, I'm <laughs> by far, you know, not perfect parents. Right. Um, but I think, you know, especially when there's two of us there and something's going on, right. um, one of us can kind of talk the other one down and say, okay, <laughs> you go in the other room. I can see you're frustrated. Let me take over. Right. Well, and it, it, it's, it's evident that you have, you know, that, that healthy communication between, between the two of you, you know, cause some of the work that I, um, do too is sort of like helping parents communicate better so they're better able to show up and model that for their children so I mean it's not an easy feat by any means no and I think it's something that we work at and sometimes yeah. we're good sometimes right. we're back at it exactly you know there's some situations where you want to feel in control right. um, and not have someone step in and help and there are some situations where you feel overwhelmed and you say you know, take this one away right yep and that's the beauty of you know, the, the ebb and flow of it and just like recognizing what you need in that moment and sort of being able to communicate that to your partner. Mm-hmm. Without yelling at them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, without yelling. I, I am not, oh, yelling is like my biggest peeve, but I get yeah. it. I, I get it, but I don't get it. <laughs> but, you know, again, that's, that's, you know, it's just something that um, parents have to just kind of come to on their own. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, I was raised in a, in a yelling household. Yeah. There's a lot of yelling. Um, and so it's something that I think I default to unconsciously. 
Right, right. Um, but my husband has no problem calling me out on it. Right. Well, there you go. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's hard. And, and that, that it, it really is like, you know, and parents sort of getting that support when they are struggling. It's, it, it's a lot of what I'm doing is like breaking old school styles of parenting. Like you have to be cognizant of like, do I want to break the cycle of like how I was raised? And I think a lot of us, you know, I'm in my later thirties. Like I think just, just through, um, you know, thirties into like early forties, I think a lot of us were probably raised somewhat of the same. Um, and even older, um, you know, sort of like the punishment based, um, you know, that it's just, I don't know, the, 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 the shit that, that worked 20 something years ago just doesn't really fly anymore. Like we evolved. Yeah. And I think, I think that there are some things from, um, when we were growing up, I'm in my early forties, mm-hmm. um, that I do want to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, as the internet tells us every time something terrible happens to a child, parents start keeping their children under lock and key. And, oh gosh. Yes. Um, <laughs> and while I'm not a, a free range parent, we live in, you know, urban Los Angeles. Right. Uh, I definitely want to enable her independence. Right. Um, you know, when I hear about these, um, these like trackers you can put on your children. Oh, uh, tr- like physically? Yeah, like these microchips. I mean, not inside their skin. Like, right. Them. Um, I just think of like the, the paranoia that that parent has to feel constantly. Um, that, yeah, that's, I haven't, I know of where you can track like on their cell phones, but obviously we're talking like once you get to a certain age with kids having cell phones, but no, these are like, these are devices that um, like oh. wearable devices to track your children in case they get snatched. Oh, um, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's awful. Anxiety and, inducing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, because like fundamentally we're safer than we were um, 40 years ago. Yes, yes um, we are. <laughs> But I think, but that kind of more laid back attitude toward um, safety. Right. <laughs> I mean, bring your bicycle helmet, but go like go out and climb trees. And you know what? If you break a bone, it's not the end of the world. Exactly. Um, those are things that I want to retain. I think. Agreed. <laughs> for me, moving forward, like the the things I focus on are um, raising a resilient child because I yes. think that that is where we're lacking right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that is why we're seeing anxiety through the roof at younger, and younger ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've done some reading about it and um, I think it's really interesting. And I, I don't think it's well studied at this point, but even things like um, trigger warnings right. and how they actually kind of cause us to be less resilient. Right. Um, I want to raise a problem solver. Um, And I think those are, those are two things that we've somehow moved away from and and they're kind of the most important things to me. I agree. And then that, and that it goes right back to the social emotional development. Like it's emotional intelligence. It's, it's how, like, how do you function as like a, as a general, like human, you know, and like being kind and sort of being able to, you know, communicate healthily, like you're going to have, you know, you're going to have those debates, quote unquote, like with people in your life as you continue to get older, like, especially when you get in, you know, into junior high with friends. And mm-hmm. so it's, it, yeah, it's real. I think we just, we just are so hyper-focused um, with like shielding 
our children that, you know, like you said, we're, we've kind of like strayed away from that, that concept, you know, and how to raise children. Yeah. And, you know, fundamentally our job is to protect them, but also teach them how to survive. Right. Cause um, they can't, they're, they're not going to be with us forever. Right. <laughs> as much as, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, some, some way, might, yeah. yeah. The way student loans are these days, who knows? But, <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, teach them to be independent, resilient problem solvers. And, you know, one of the things that I love is, um, and maybe a, a three or four year old is perhaps too young for this, but rather than asking a child what they want to be when they grow up, asking them what problems they want to solve. Exactly. Yep. I um, love and that. true. And just having them look at the world that way. Mm hmm. Yeah, like how can they make this world a better place? Yeah, and look, I don't, I don't think every person needs to grow up to be noble. And, right, right. But I mean, um, making the world a better place could just be like whatever your craft is. And it could be right. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, doesn't have to I, be huge. <laughs> yeah, I come out of the marketing agency world, and I don't know that I was making the better place, making the world a better place, um, helping my clients sell their products, but. Um, I was solving problems every single day. I was solving problems, um, but just kind of looking at things that way. I mean, is it is it the problem of is it a, a big problem like how do we protect the earth at this point when we've done so much damage? How do we reverse things, or are they little problems like the problems I solved? Right. Um, but just kind of having that mindset, I think. Um, kind of encourages creativity. I agree. It's, it's really important. And I, I think collectively, if, you know, more of us sort of, you know, adopt those mentalities, hopefully that, you know, others will sort of pick up on it, you know, and then you have that ripple effect, but you know, it, it, it all, it starts with you in your own home. And I think, you know, parents just have to remember that like, they can't worry about what other parents think or how they're parenting, they should really be worrying about like what works for you in your own home and yes. go off of, and go off of that, um, your own values and, and how you want to raise your, your children and, and the mark that you want to leave and, and, you know, sort of like generations to come. And I think that should be the most important thing you should be focusing on, not Absolutely. anybody else. And, and I think that as parents, we have to, um, be constantly evolving right. and adapting. And, um, you know, I kind of spanking always comes up. <laughs> well, I was spanked and I turned out fine. Um, and that's probably true, but maybe you would have turned out better. Right. <laughs> but, you know, without kind of going down that road, this understanding that like, okay, what um, would work then or what seemingly worked then right. we have a better understanding of so what how can you evolve yes um to and adapt so nope this is true this is this is very very true so you know the more that we focus on that I, I think just in general the the better off we will be so thank you I, I I'm excited for our listeners to tune in. Oh, can you please share um, your website? So, oh, and where, where are you? Um, you're in Boston. Where else right now? Uh, Paper Pine. So we are in Los Angeles, Seattle, Portland, Boston, and Austin. Awesome. Uh, yes. 
Um, I think San Francisco, uh, that the Bay Area will be our next market to launch. Awesome. Um, but I would say check back often. Um, okay. It was changing and evolving. Um, and if there are any childcare providers listening to this, um, it is free to list your program. Um, and you can find us at paperpinecone.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on the show. And I uh, look forward to collaborating in the future. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Yes, absolutely. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Class is in session. Please be seated. Behaviors that get attention get repeated. Avoid the power struggle because it will get you heated. Listen to Amanda because she knows how to teach it. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No. This is parenting with a punch. Yeah.